so good to be together again this Sunday. I'm going to read a few verses from Matthew chapter 6 and then just share a few thoughts around that. I'm reading from verse 19. Jesus is speaking. He says, Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give everything he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Today we begin a new series around the word embrace. 2020 is a year for us not to shrink back. We know the theme here in your life, but a year to grow forward. It's a year to embrace everything that God has got for us and everything that life throws at us this year. It's a year to embrace, and we've looked at different topics along that world over the first few months of the year. In January, it was embracing God, and we had a time of prayer and fasting. We embraced God and connected with Him in a fresh and new way. In February, it was embrace serving, and thank you for those who stepped up to volunteer to serve in a new way in your life. In March, we looked at embrace change, and how prophetic was that from the things that changed in church life and all round about our own lives as well. In April, we looked at embracing the journey, and we trust you're still embracing your journey. We pray that over the past week, your journey's been a great journey, and even if it's not, you're still embracing the fact that God is for you and with you. And in May, we're looking at the topic, embrace the promise. I embrace the promises. Culminating in the 31st of May, the last Sunday in May is what is called Quit Sunday, Pentecost Sunday, 
where we look at embracing the promise that Jesus spoke about of the Holy Spirit. One of the last things he said to the disciples, we can record, see recorded in Acts 1, he says, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. John baptized with water, but in a few days' time, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Embrace the promise of the Holy Spirit, which we'll look at at the end of the month. But all through the month, we're looking at embracing promise of the promises of God. The only problem we've got with that is that there are so many promises of God in the Word of God. I checked up to see exactly how many they were. I read that in the King James Version of the Bible, the word promise occurs 50 times. But there are more promises that don't include the word promise. And it depends who you ask how many promises there are. One person said there was 3,573 promises. Somebody says there was 5,467 promises. And somebody else says there were 7,487 promises. Now, it's not that the Word of God is different. It's just how they interpreted what a promise was. But the very least there was 3,500. That means, according to my counting, if you look for a different promise every day in the Word of God, it would take you about 10 years to come up with all the promises, and that's at the very minimum. So, we probably won't get through them all in May. However, if the lockdown continues for a long, long, long time, you never know how far we're going to get with them. But we trust it doesn't, and we long to see you back together, worshipping God together. But until then, embrace the journey and embrace the promises of God. Embrace the promises God has got for us. And whilst we're looking at me and culminating in Jesus and speaking of the promise of the Spirit, we're going to look through some of the Gospels and some of the promises that Jesus made. And today we read Matthew chapter 6 and a portion of it, and we're going to embrace the promise of provision. Jesus spoke about provision, and we're going to embrace the promise of provision and speak about that for a little while. Matthew chapter 6 is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. It's been referred to a part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, where he is laying out the his manifesto of his kingdom, so to speak, laying out the principles, the promises, the practices of his kingdom and how he says we should live and how he was going to live and act. You know, political parties bring out their manifestos before general elections where they lay down their values, their thoughts and what they're going to do to change the world or change the country. And the reality is all the parties always look their best at their manifestos. They always look great when they're writing their manifestos. It's like you and I, when we're writing our CVs, how can anybody refuse to employ us when they look at our CVs? We are the gift that they need. I remember when uh, my kids, David and Lindsay, were leaving school in S6, and before they moved on to whether it was further education or, um, or employment somewhere, they had to write a personal statement about themselves. And I remember David telling me that his teacher basically told him, 
if you're reading your personal statement and you're not embarrassed about how good it is, then you need to rip it up and start again. The reality is, whether it's manifestos or whether it's our CVs or whether it's our personal statements, that's when we look our best. And for whatever reason, we probably don't in practice match up everything that we say. But that's where Jesus is different. Jesus laid out his manifesto and then went on to manifest what was in his manifesto. Jesus' manifestations matched what was in his manifesto. He was true to his word. He's a God of promise and a God who fulfills promise. Numbers chapter 23, 19 says this, that God is not human, that he should lie, nor a human being, that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Or does he promise and not fulfill? The answer is no. He fulfills what he promises. The writer to the Hebrews says in chapter 10, verse 23, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. God can be trusted to keep his promises. The reality is that's because God's promises are a reflection of his character, and God keeps his promises, as well as being loving and gracious and merciful and righteous and truth. He's unfailing. He's unchanging. He is faithful, and his promises are backed up by his character, and he's unfailing in his promises because his character is perfect and unchanging. And we talk here about provision because Jesus mentions and speaks about provision. And sometimes when we think of that, we're thinking money. But Jesus talks more than money. And when God provides, he provides more than just money. It's health, it's strength, it's joy, it's comfort, it's peace. In fact, God's provision covers every area of our lives that we need him to cover. God's character is consistent. But Jesus brought in a culture which was changing, a changing culture. It speaks to attitudes here. And he says, don't store up treasures on earth for yourself. Don't store up treasures on earth. Don't live to store up treasures on earth. Don't go and buy all the hand washes you can, whatever. We'll not go there today. Don't live for today. Live for the kingdom of God and live for eternity. Have your mindset in eternity and live for his kingdom above your own kingdom. It's what he's saying. And it's not just about money he's talking about. It's an attitude. It's a heart issue. It's about what our values are in life. And when Jesus is speaking here, he says, there's a change coming. There's a change culture I'm bringing and introducing. My manifesto is introducing a different way of living. Paul writes to Romans, don't copy the behaviors of the world, but let God transform you by the renewing of your mind. Start thinking different. Start having attitudes which are different from the world. And don't think about your own kingdom and your own ambitions, but live for the kingdom of God. Live for his glory. Live for his kingdom. And Jesus introduces a changed culture here. It's about living for his kingdom and putting him 
first. You know, this portion is very poignant for me, particularly verse 24, which says you can't serve God and mammon. When I was in the working in the financial services industry, God called me into full-time ministry, as many of you know, and I spoke about it, and is this verse I used. And God called me to rely on him, to live in a different sphere, if you like, from where I was living, and not rely on a salary that I was getting from a financial services industry, but to rely on him. But it's a lesson I learned that we should all have learned long ago, but became even more real to me. And the reality is when I stepped out of that zone into this sphere of full-time ministry, the money was less, but there was access to greater than what I was getting in financial services. I had access to the kingdom of heaven, but we all live like that. We all should have an attitude that we're living for him and our resources, not we can, what we can provide and what we can give and what we can earn, but our provision is in God. God is our source. God is our provision. You know, Kathy and I found that out very early on in our married life. It was our first year of marriage and we lived in a one-bedroom flat that I'd lived in my wee bachelor pad for a, a year before we were married. And then we get married and Kathy came to live with me in that one-bedroom flat in Dracom. The reality is she said she was not coming to live in it until I get put central heating in it. So we did that. But it was a time in our lives where finances was, were not abundant, shall we say. We were not affluent. We're still not affluent, but we rely and we trust and we're blessed with God. But Kathy was working part-time and I was working and there was this Monday and I wasn't going to get paid till the Friday. But I had about so many pens left and in our larder, in our fridge with a few slices of bread and a little bit of milk and not much else really. And we didn't have enough really to make any meals for that week. And I'd say to Kathy, what am I going to get? I can go and buy a tin of soup or a tin of beans and we can have toast and beans or we can have a soup with bread. I think we probably bought the beans. But the reality is we were looking to God to provide. We didn't tell anybody. But God is our source. God is our provision. God is the one we look to. And we honoured God in our giving and we honoured God in all aspects and we trusted him. And... I was getting paid on the Friday. We wouldn't have died, but with no money left to do us for the rest of the week and no food really left. And whatever meal we had, and then I went to work on the Tuesday, and I remember Kathy phoning me at work on the Tuesday. She says, you'll never guess what, but I've just received a gyro check from the government, which they've said they're sorry but they underpaid me about six or seven months ago by the tune of £5.27. pence, And you could go and cash that then straight away. And I want to tell you that £5.27 was like a million pounds and it was only a message from God saying, I'm your source, I'm your provider, I will look after you and I will provide all that you need in life. 
You know, that money was enough for us to get stuff in order to see us by. But it wasn't the money. It was the fact that God showed up because he showed that he is our provider. And God is our provider. God is the one who provides all our need. But the reality is there are conditions. There are clear conditions to his promise here. Jesus says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. What a positive statement that is. What a promise that is. Seek first. Look for him first. More than anything else. Above all, live for his kingdom. Put him first in your life. And when you do that, he's promised that I will provide all that you need. All that you need. What an incredible promise that is from God. What an incredible promise that God says, whatever you need, Seek me first and I'll become your provider because I'm your resource. If you live for yourself, then you're limited to your resources. But if you live for me and put me first, you've got access to the resources of heaven. Wow, what a credible promise that is. And promise here is not just about finance, but it includes finance. When Paul was writing to the Philippian church, It says, because you gave, because you gave financially to God, because you put him first, it says, he said this, the same God who takes care of me will supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. See, the conditions are you put God first, you honor God in your life in all aspects, and he says that I'll look after you. I will provide for you. And he talks about it's not just the provision, but you can live at rest and at peace and at comfort and at calmness because God here says, don't worry about stuff. He says, don't worry. Don't worry. He says, don't worry about life stuff. Don't worry about what you're going to wear this morning or what you're going to wear tomorrow. Don't worry about what you're going to drink. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. And the very worst you can phone Gary and he'll deliver a Domino's pizza to your door. Well, God didn't say that. And other deep pizzas are available. But God basically said this, don't worry even about tomorrow. Don't worry because I'm your resource. I'm your coverer. I'm your provider. I'm your protection, but I'm your provider. I am the one who, if you seek me, I will provide all of your needs. If you embrace the promise of his provision and you put him first, then you don't need to worry. Don't worry, be happy, so to speak. Don't worry about a thing, Bob Marley says. Every little thing is going to be all right. I'm not minimizing the fact that we're living in difficult times, but I want to encourage you this morning. Above what your eye can see, there is a resource beyond you. There's a resource beyond the government. There is a resource beyond anyone else that you can see in planet Earth. And there's a resource found in heaven. God is a provider. God is the one who's promised provision in our life. God is our provider. And I want to encourage you from some stories in the Bible. I mentioned last week about Abraham and how he was going to sacrifice Isaac, but he found a lamb or a ram and a thicket, and that became the provision that he needed for the moment. That's what he needed at that moment in time. But God provided it, and he made the place, and he called the place, the Lord will provide. Jehovah Jireh, I want to encourage you this morning that Abraham's God is your God. Abraham's God is my God. David's God 
is our God. The David who said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in one. I have all that I need. And another psalmist says, the lions may grow weary and hungry, but those who seek the Lord will have everything. They will lack no good thing. Our God is Elijah's God. When he met a widow in Zarephath and she'd only a little bit of food to make for her and her son and then she was going to die. There was a drought. There was a famine. And Elijah says, why don't you put God first and make me a meal? And she gave what she had to God. And Elijah says, when you put God first, what you've got is never going to run out until the drought ends. And I want to tell you, she looked to God as her resource, as her provision, and she gave what she had to God. She put God first, and the prophecy came true that until the rains came, that little bit that she gave away, God added to it and provided more and more and more. Our God is the God of Israel who went through the wilderness. And Moses spoke to them in Deuteronomy chapter 2. And he said, you know what? All these years you have lacked for nothing. The Lord your God has given you everything and you've lacked nothing. Food for every day, shoes that didn't wear out. Through good times, through bad times, you've never lacked anything because God has provided, because he's a God of provision. The promise here is God will provide. It's our God who's the God of a little boy. He gave his packed lunch to Jesus in Mark chapter 4. Those five little fish and four, five loaves, sorry, and two small fish that he gave because it was his packed lunch and people needed it and Jesus needed it and he gave to Jesus and Jesus took it and he broke it and he prayed over it and he blessed it and he gave back to the disciples. And this is what the Bible says, that he kept giving the bread to the disciples so that they could distribute it to the people. He also provided the fish to everyone to share and all had as much as they wanted and they lifted up 12 basketfuls afterwards. What an incredible provision that was. Because a little boy gave what he could, Jesus kept giving what he could. See, the boy gave what he could, but the Bible says, but Jesus kept giving and kept giving and kept giving. And I want to encourage you this morning that as we give to God, he keeps giving and giving and giving and giving. We used to sing an old song, out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he gives and he giveth and he giveth again. God's got so much more to give than we have to give to him. God's treasures are overflowing. The riches of his grace has been lavished on us. James 4 says he gives more grace. He gives more grace. He said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. Whatever you need in life, there's enough grace to get you through. Even in difficulties right now, there's enough grace to get you through. There's enough life. There's enough health. There's enough strength for you. Whatever you need this morning, there's enough in God's provision for you. And financially, there's enough for God to provide everything that you need. Jesus says, you don't need to worry. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be given to you. You will lack nothing. This morning, I just want to encourage you to embrace the promise of provision. God has got a character which is consistent. He's promised he will not fail. But Jesus brought in a 
change culture. It's not about looking to our own resources and our own self. It's about putting him first. It's about honoring him. It's about living for his kingdom. And when that happens, there are conditions that we fulfill, that God fulfills when he says, when you do that, I will meet all of your needs. Now, Romans 8, 32 says this, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for his whole, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? I don't know what you need this morning. If you need Jesus Christ as your personal savior, there's enough grace to cover your mess-ups. Where your sin has abounded, his grace has much more abounded. There's more grace than there is mess up. God's forgiveness is yours to receive this morning. If you just simply pray a prayer in a short while, we'll encourage you to do so. But for all of us here, I don't know what your need is this morning. I don't know what your lack is this morning. And this portion focuses in the material stuff but it's because God knows we have material needs. But when we don't live for our own resources and our own ambitions and our own kingdoms and our own needs, and we look to resource his kingdom, we look to put him first in our life, we look to honor him, we look to live for his glory, for his kingdom, God steps in and says, when you do that, I will supply all your needs. I'm going to pray in a moment. As I said, I don't know what your needs are this morning, but I know there's a God who's unlimited in supply today. There's a Jehovah Jireh who's able to provide whatever you need in your life today. It might be material, it might be physical, it might be emotional, but you've got a lack in your life just now. I'm believing as we look at embracing the promise, the first one we've spoken about is a promise of provision. You don't need to worry, Jesus says. Don't worry, because God's got it all in hand. He's got it. There's somebody who needs to hear this morning, don't worry about tomorrow. There's somebody listen to my voice, and I just feel God is saying to me, you don't need to worry about tomorrow. God has got it all in hand. But every one of us, let's pray this prayer. Father God, I thank you that you are the great provider. Father, I thank you that your resources are unlimited. And Father, whatever the resource is required for everyone this morning, I pray right now that you'll step into homes and into hearts and into spirits and into minds and that you'll provide the assurance that we need that the answer's on its way. And I pray, Father God, for every resource that's required, I pray, Lord, that you will provide everything through the powerful name of Jesus. Everything that Jesus died and rose for, every promise is ours. And Father, right now, we embrace the promise of provision. And we pray, Father God, that you will meet every need according to your resource bank in heaven 
Lord God, help us to put you first. Help us to honour you in every area of our lives. And Father, as we do that, thank you for your promise, which is unfailing, which says when we seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, then all these things will be added to us through your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you.